Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We're launching into a new series here at Antioch. It's called Thunder in the Desert. Thunder in the Desert. And what we want to talk about over these next couple of weeks is the fact That no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much money you don't have, no matter where you're coming from, everybody walks through dry places. Everybody. Everybody walks through a desert, a time or two. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about how do we walk through the desert well. You guys cool with that? All right, Matthew 4, you there? Nobody's there? Wow, man. Help them, Lord. Here we go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Can everybody say was led? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Everybody say, yeah. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. And then he was hungry and he was tempted to take a shortcut. Have you ever wanted to take a shortcut? For real. You ever been going through something tough and you're like, man, I'd love to just get out of what I'm going through. Like, is there an exit ramp coming sooner than later? Because if there is, I'd like to take it, right? I mean, there's nothing like a dry place that makes you want to look for a way out. Nobody likes to be in a dry place. Nobody likes to feel like they're stuck. Nobody likes to feel like everything that they're hoping for is not going to happen. And so we start looking away, looking for a way out of that dry place, right? We start trying to take a shortcut out of the season that we're in. Now, I'll tell you one thing, man. I've never wanted to find a shortcut more in my life than when my, when my wife, Liz, was about to go into labor with our first child, Sophie. It got real. Let me tell you something. You learned a lot with your first kid, right? How many of you got kids in here? A couple people? You learned a lot with your first kid. First thing you learn is that you need to overpack. This is how you can discover if somebody's a new parent. You see them with a baby, right? They got 87 bags, more contraptions on their stroller than they know how to handle, right? But this is what parents of children who've never had kids before do. They have 18 outfits, and when you open up their bag, right, it's clean and organized. They usually have bags within the bags, okay? Now, this happens when you have one kid. When you have four kids... All of a sudden, survival begins to trump preparation. You're just trying to get out the door. You're not really concerned about if somebody has a change of clothes. You're just hoping that they are wearing clothes at all. But you also learn the first time you go through this whole pregnancy, having a baby thing, is that there's fake outs. Did you know that there was fake outs? I did not know that there was fake outs. I didn't know that it was complicated to have a child. I thought it was natural. It was a natural childbirth. I'll never forget, man, about a, about, a, about a month out, 
Anytime my phone would ring, I was ready. Y'all, I mean, it was like ready. The phone would ring. It would say, Liz, or actually she's in my phone, is hot wife. It'd be like, hot wife, boom, hey, you and Liz, hey. She used to have to start sending me text messages before she called me to be like, I'm not in labor. Don't freak out. I'm about to call you. I got a question. Okay? I was ready. I'm also a planner. I like plan. I feel like a plan sets you up for success. All the planners in the house, give me a little amen. Right? I feel like you got a plan, you're going to win. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to win. Okay? So I'm a planner. But I had a plan, so we had it dialed. Man, we had maps. We had diagrams. We had pre-packed bags. We had all this stuff, man. We, had all, we were ready for this moment to happen, right? So I remember I get the call, boom, she's like, it's it, this is, she's, she's coming. I wasn't at home, man. I get in the car, fly home. I'm hoping I get pulled over, you know what I mean? Because then you get the little police escort. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm like, hoping I get pulled over. I go into the house, I get Liz, and we execute the plan with precision grab the bag, make our way, this route's open, head there, boom, at the hospital, couple minutes, up the stairs, go to the labor and delivery check-in room, get all situated, and then I hear something I did not think I was going to hear. Miss Griffin, you're actually not in labor. You're just having a little indigestion. Now, I'm over here trying to be the loving, compassionate, you know, husband, being like, you know, hey, I'm here for you, whatever. I'm perplexed, though. I'm like, how hard is it to know if you're going to the bay? I mean, you, we came all the way over here. You just need some Tums? Like, we, this is the most expensive Tums in the world right now. Like, we, we went through all this stuff. You got to burp? For real? So we get back in the car. We're cruising home. I'm perplexed, right? But at this point, though, I'm still excited. Okay, this now, but this pattern starts happening now. Oh, I'm going to the labor. Woo! You know, execute the plan with precision. We get there. Here you go, Miss Griffin. Here's some Pepto-Bismol. Now, that happens a couple of times. All of a sudden, it's not so exciting to get the phone call. So I wake up one morning. Liz is already awake. She looks at me and says some words I'd heard many a time up to that point. I think I'm going into labor. Now, again, I'm really committed to trying to be the best husband of all time. Loving, kind, considerate, thoughtful. Handsome, gentle. So I look at her, and I'm like, cool, I'm going to go get some coffee. So I leave, man. I leave the house. I get in the car. I'm gone. I'm like, and she's not going into labor. This is ridiculous. So I get to this coffee shop that we went to all the time. I go in there. I order my coffee. I'm chilling at the bar waiting for the coffee. My phone rings. Hey, for real, you need to come home. I think this is it. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. With no urgency, no nothing, no energy, no excitement, I very mellowly make my way back to my car, very chill, make my way home, not speeding, not even trying to speed, just chilling, right? Get to the front door. Open the front door to World War III, okay? Now, I'll be honest with you now, real labor is very different than indigestion, all right? That became very, very clear. Open the door. My water broke! I'm like, ah! Is that good? What is it? Put it back. <laughs> I tell you, you know, they say every plan is a good plan until what happens? The first shot is fired, right? At that point, every place of preparation was completely gone. 
I was grabbing any form of a bag that I could find. Not our pre-packed bags. I'm talking about grocery bags. I'm talking about trash bags. I'm grabbing anything that was a bag. I am panicking. It's not raining. I've got rain jackets, umbrellas, hats, all kinds of stuff. I can't remember where I park. I'm just trying to get my wife into the car. We get into the car. This is when I realize my wife has been living a lie for the first three years of our marriage, and she is a killer. She looked at me, and she's like, get me to the hospital. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, you got it. You Roger. So when we're cruising, come to a stoplight. I'm obeying the law. The light is red. Cars are going, okay? I cannot do anything. And my wife goes, get me to the hospital now. Now, at this point, I feel like I've got one or two options. I can either obey the law, be a good civic citizen, or I could die. So I look over to the right, and over to the right, I see like this little, this street, okay? So I, I saw my art, cool, pull over onto the street, start cresting over. As I'm coming over the top of this hill, I realize this is not a street. This is the cobblestone alley. So I got my wife in full-blown labor, and we're going down a cobblestone street. Boom, 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 boom. Look, the cuss words coming out her mouth, people. All right, I'm just trying to keep it real with you. I was, I was worshiping, okay? I'm praying. I'm 100% I'm praying. She's just like, whoa. I'm thinking, are you even saved? We're cruising down this street. We get to this stoplight, right? Now I see a sign. It's a turn only going the other way, the wrong way. So I got to turn another right, go even further away than where I need to go, have to fly down that road, do a huge turn, fly back up the road, and guess where I end up? At the same red light. And it's red. We didn't even get the timing right to get there in this green. So it's like the illusion of doing something that helped. Now, we eventually made it to the hospital, thankfully. And Sophie was born 60 minutes later, man. I mean, it was like we were right there. But have you ever, for real, have you ever tried to take a shortcut? And then in the middle of it, you realize this is not short at all. Has that happened? You ever try to take a shortcut in life? You try to exit off-ramp something that you're going through, detour through a tough season, detour through a dry place, and in that detour you realize that maybe that temptation had a compromise laced in it, and you find yourself actually not to your destination sooner? but you just went through a whole lot of pain to end up right where you tried to skip? Have you ever tried to make out of a season quickly? Have you ever tried to take a shortcut? Matthew 4.1 surprises me. Does it surprise anybody else? Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus was led by the Spirit 
into a dry place. Does this mess with anybody else? Because we don't see dry places as places of purpose. We see dry places as places of punishment. But maybe there's a destiny in the desert. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Fully man, fully God. He's given all the authority on heaven and on earth, and he was led into a dry place. This is the beginning of a very tough revelation for us, is that dry places are not to be wasted. Dry places are not to be wasted, but dry places have purpose. Jesus was led into a dry place. Check this out. Psalms 23. How many of you have ever seen Psalms 23 on the bathroom of some Christian that you know's house? Anybody seen it? Come on, be real. Who's seen that? Who's read that scripture while you're taking a deep? Every single person who's been up in a bathroom of somebody that loves Jesus, they got Psalms Psalms 23 on their wall, right? And this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. Right? I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Check this out. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. He will lead me. He will prepare a way for me. He is going to open up waters for me, and he's going to guide me, and then I'm going to walk through a dark valley. He's going to lead me. He's going to prepare a way for me, and all of a sudden, I find myself in a dark valley, but I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me me. This is huge because oftentimes we will be in a dry place, in a dry season, feel stuck, feel spiritually dead, feel like your heart's asleep, going through some difficult circumstances. Maybe your your relationships are tough. Maybe your job situation is impossible. Maybe your boss is impossible to please. Maybe your spouse and you cannot connect on any level at all, and you're in a dry place. And the question we often ask in a dry place is, why? Have you ever asked that question in a dry place? Why am I here? Why is this happening? Why do I feel spiritually dead? Why does the Bible taste like cardboard right now? Why can't I connect with my wife? Why do I hate my roommates? Why do I want to kill my kids? For real, right? When you're in a tough spot, the normal question to ask is the why question. Why question, not a bad question. Why question, great question because sometimes the answer to that why question is things that we have done and we're in the consequences of the actions that we've done sometimes not every time so the why is not bad the why is just not complete because if he leads me and he has passed for me and he is he's there for me and he's going to be for me and even though I'm going to walk through the valley of darkness he's going to be with me then I if I find myself in a dry place in a dark place in a stuck place in a hard place I can't just ask Why am I here? I have to say, what is the purpose for me being here? Why is not bad? Why is just not complete? We have to ask, why am I here? But also, God, what do you want to do with me here? The what is just as much valuable to us as 
the why because the what will keep us in the fight. Because check this out. If you understand that you are led at times into dry places, then you begin to see your dry place not as a place of distance, but of a place of purpose. Jesus was led to be tempted. There was a destiny on the back end of his wilderness. There was a purpose for the season of dryness. There was something, there was a what was coming on the back end of the difficult place that he found himself in. And when we understand that there's a what in our dry place, then that clarity moment of understanding that Romans 8.28, the God of Romans 8.28, the God that makes all things Work together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. All things. All things. Now check this out. I want to lean in just for a few minutes on how Jesus was tempted. Because it says this, that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was tempted within the realm of his authority? Jesus turned nothing into food all the time. He turned water to wine. He multiplied fish. The Old Testament has, like, stories of bread falling from the sky. This temptation was within the authority, but it just was a shortcut through the dry place versus seeing the purpose of the dry place. It was a shortcut out. It was a ramp out. Look, Jesus, you can do whatever you want to do. You can do anything that you want to do. You can speak to this rock, and water will flow from the rock that had happened in the Old Testament. He could speak to the rock and water could flow out of the rock. And in in that, that season, that was the right season. That wasn't a shortcut off ramp. That was the direction of the ramp. So it becomes very important that we understand that sometimes we're tempted with compromise. The devil's not gonna tempt you with something that doesn't feel valuable. Because here's what's interesting. Dry places always end the same way with people being thirsty. You ever been super thirsty? Right? You ever been super hungry? Anybody been on a diet? All right? Anybody started a diet strong? Nobody? Man, i got to talk to myself. All right, this is going to be a good message. I'm going to turn this way. Anybody been on a diet, right? Diets always start strong. Always. Always. Nobody starts a diet weak. It only gets weak when you realize what? You're hungry. You wake up in the morning, day one of the diet. You're not hungry. Lunch time comes, you're hungry. All of a sudden, the diet becomes a lot more challenging, right? You're driving by Sonic. What didn't tempt you before, what you saw as a non-option before, all of a sudden becomes need. Right? And somebody calls you, and while you got onion ring breath, you're like, hey, how, how, how's the diet going? You're like, good. Right? Because dry places always are laced with thirst. 
dry places reveal to us what we really see as a need to be satisfied. This is what the devil was attacking and tempting Jesus with. He was saying, you need food. You haven't eaten in 40 days. So why don't you turn this rock into food? Have a momentary satisfaction, a shortcut through the dry place, have a momentary meal, and just go ahead and fill this hunger, satisfy this hunger. And what's interesting is that Jesus didn't say like, oh, man, shoot. Oh, man, look at that rock. Look at it. I can see the French bread right now. Is that what he did? Did he walk around the rock a bunch of times? You ever been tempted and you just like keep walking around the temptation? Like, whoo, boy. Boy, 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 boy. You done that? You ever been watching TV? You know that there's a sketchy movie on the channel right above the channel that you're on? And you keep being like, I'm just going to see what's up. Let me just... I'm not watching it. I'm just trying to time it so that I pass by it. You ever walked around a temptation and just like hoped that it would change? Oh, man. Oh, man. That rock is smelling good right now, boy. That rock right there, boy, I tell you what, if I could just turn that into some ciabatta bread. You know Jesus was a ciabatta guy. Man, I tell you, that would be something. No, that's not what he did. He did not try to find strength inside of him to say no to what was coming at him. I think this is why oftentimes we escape and take shortcuts out of dry seasons because when you're in a dry place, it begins to be hard to fight because you don't have any strength. Has anybody been there? Can somebody talk to me? Right? Anybody been in a dry place and you're like, I just want out of this because I'm tired of fighting this. I'm tired of dealing with the, the temptation. I'm tired of de- walking around this rock. So I'm just going to give into it so that the season will end. Right? Because that's what temptation tries to offer us is momentary satisfaction that leads only to disappointment because temptation is always laced with compromise. Jesus did not look within himself for strength. He recalled where his strength comes from. So when the devil said, why don't you turn this piece of rock into a piece of bread? He says, shut up, devil. And he says, Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. His strength did not come from within himself. His strength came from the rock that he was clinging to in his dry place. Jesus would put it to us this way in John 7. He says that he stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone who thirsts comes to me and drinks, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, check this out, rivers of living water will flow from where? Within, within them. Jesus declared, if you're in a dry place, if you're thirsty, call on my name, and water is going to flow out of you. The hope, the victory, the strength, 
The breakthrough is going to flow from within you as the word of God comes alive. And if you feel like you don't have any strength, quit fighting in your own strength and get a Bible verse, a scripture that when the temptation comes, you're like, nah, nah, nah. I'm not going to mess with that anymore because the Bible says man does not live on bread alone. So this temptation for momentary satisfaction is no longer a temptation. Because I smashed it with the truth of what really satisfies. Come on, somebody. I'm about to preach. All right? So listen. The devil comes at him again, and he tries to change his strategy and tempt him with another piece of his destiny. Because remember, there's often a destiny in your desert. God is doing something in you to set you up for what you're called to do. That's why it's called a breakthrough, because you're breaking something to get through to what you're called to, right? And so the devil, the tempter, comes to Jesus again, and he's like, look, check this out, Jesus. Look, throw yourself off the cliff. I mean, if you're really the son of God, then the Bible says that angels will come and attend to you and catch you. Now, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, I'm doing this one. <laughs> For real, man. This, can you imagine? Just cliff jumping and then whoosh. Right? He's tempted. Could he do that? Absolutely. Did he have authority to do that? Absolutely. Would that have skipped the purpose of the dry place? Absolutely. Temptation often comes with compromise. And so he responds not with inner strength, but with the word of God. And he says in Deuteronomy 6.16, don't put the Lord your God to test. So the devil comes to him again. And he's like, look, look, come up here with me. Check this out. Look at all these cities. Look at all this rad stuff. All you have to do is bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of this. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus was going to have all of it anyways. Do you see how the devil works? You see, you should not be surprised when you're tempted with things that seem close to what you're called to. So what we're looking for in dry places is to see that although God has a plan and a purpose and he will turn all things for good, the devil is going to try to tempt us to escape out before we've actually received the purpose of the season. Because God was setting Jesus up, preparing him on the back end of this season of wilderness was the beginning of his ministry. That's what happened. Right? And, and you'll see a pattern in the, in, the, in the scriptures if you read about these heroes in the faith that there was oftentimes a promise, then there was a wilderness, and then there was a breakthrough, and then they received the promise. Almost every single time God speaks to somebody, they go into a wilderness season, that wilderness season becomes preparation, and that preparation they have what they need to then do what God had promised that they would do. 
I mean, check this out. There's a dude in the Bible named Joseph. There's, there's probably nobody that went through more struggle and in, in temptation than Joseph did because he got these huge dreams, and then he got wronged by people, and then he found himself arrested, then freed, then hooked up, then back in jail, then a slave, and all this other kind of stuff. And listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done. Because wilderness seasons have a purpose. There's a destiny in your desert. So if you're going through a dry place right now, the strength that we need not to take a shortcut is found in the word of God and saying, God, what is it that you want to accomplish in this season? And when we ask the what question, then we can find the truth that's going to hold us through the season. Because here's the thing, this is what I believe, I believe this with all my heart, that in this room, there's everything that God needs to bring transformation to this city. I believe it. I don't think we need anything else. I just think we need to endure our seasons well and become who he's called us to be. I know that I have been tempted at times and I have taken exit ramps in dry places. We all have. Everybody has. Actually, everybody but Jesus did. And this is what's beautiful about grace. Because, see, there's a pattern with the people of God, then and now. There's a pattern. It's that God speaks, we're flaky. He rescues us and restores us. It's a pattern. It happens over and over and over and over, and it's still happening this morning. And I don't know where you are in that process, but I know that we can all find ourselves somewhere. You might be in a season of feeling flaky. You might be in a dry place. You might have taken an exit ramp last night. You might be frustrated at God because you're only asking the why question in your dry place. And you're like, how did I get here? Why am I here? What have I done? Instead of saying, God, what is your purpose in this season? He leads us. He makes paths for us. And even when we walk through a valley, he will be with us. This is what I want to end with this morning. You know, there's more than just the sound of temptation in your desert. There's a thunder. And that thunder holds in it hope, redemption, life, and grace. Isaiah 40 is a prophetic statement about something that was to come. Isaiah 40 says this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain hill made low, and the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This prophecy would be fulfilled 
right before Jesus began his ministry through a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptist would actually find his home in the desert, and he would stay in the desert and only eat bugs and honey, which I think is creepy. I'm going to ask him about it when I get to heaven. But he'd only eat bugs and honey. And what he would do is he would declare, there is someone coming who is the hope for your situation. And when you read that there was a voice of one calling in the desert, it could also be translated there was a thunder in the desert. There's more than just the sound of temptation in the desert. There's a thunder that holds in it hope, redemption, and life. Because when you're in the desert, you need to know that there once was a desert, and there was a thunder that crashed louder than any thunder that's ever been heard. And Jesus was on a cross in a dry place. And he was dying, breathing his last breath. And all of a sudden, there was a thunder that rang out from his mouth that penetrated our hearts. And it said, it is finished. It is finished. No matter what season you're in or going through, you need to know that there's a thunder rolling in that desert. And that thunder is saying, it is finished. Make a way. God's coming. Make a way. God's coming. You're not alone. God's coming. You're going through a dry place. Don't worry. God's coming. You get tempted to do something that's outside of what you even would consider. Hold strong. God's coming. There's more than the sound of temptation in the desert. If you're going through a dry place right now, you all you're hearing is the temptation. Begin to ask God to open your ears to the thunder. God, open our ears to the thunder. Let us hear the thunder, the, the, the declaration of hope, the declaration of life, the declaration of redemption. Jesus saying, it is finished. We don't have to fight anymore. We don't have to claw anymore. We don't have to try to reason our way out of what we're going through. It is finished. Your desert has a purpose because it holds your destiny. Your desert has a purpose because it holds your destiny. And you were made for something greater than what you're walking in right now. And if you're going through a dry place, you need to understand that your shoulders are being strengthened. Your back is getting stronger. Your legs are going to be able to hold more weight. Your emotions are getting strengthened. Your desert does not have to be a waste. Because your desert has a destiny. We just don't need to listen to the temptation. We need to listen for the thunder. We need to listen for the thunder. It is would you stand with me if you're here this morning and you're in a dry place we want to pray for you something that we do every single week is we have our leaders line the front of this stage and we're here just to love on you pray for you be there for you no matter what's going on no matter what's happening no matter what season you're in we just want to love on you and let you know that we have your back so if you have any need whatsoever anything going on we want to pray for you put our hands on you, believe with you that God is going to do something amazing in your life, that you're going to begin to hear the thunder in the middle of your desert. But I also know that there's a whole lot of us that are in a dry place. 
There's a whole lot of us that are in a dry place right now. I know that because we're all human. And to be alive is to go through dry places. And I just believe that this morning God wants to open up our ears to hear the thunder of hope. That our dry places aren't something that we simply see that we need to endure. But they're dry places that we see as purpose in our development for our destiny. Because your dry season's not wasted. There's a destiny in your desert. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've never heard the thunder, if you've never encountered the God who meets you where you are and takes you where you have no business going, the God that forgives us of our sin, that separates us from him, the God who washes us with the blood of Jesus so that we become white as snow, not seen as what we used to be, but made new, born again. you this morning and you've never made a decision for Jesus to be the king of your life. Almost every single week when we gather together people give their life to Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to begin to ask you to recall on some courage. And I'm going to have everybody just close their eyes and bow their head. Because I want to pray specifically for those people who want to make a decision right now for Jesus to be their king, to be the Lord of their life, for the hopelessness that is drowning them to be drowned out by the hope of Jesus. If that's you, if you want to make that decision this morning, would you just raise your hand? Anybody? I see you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray after me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Come and be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me whole. Rule my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And set me up to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just make some noise for those people that made that decision to follow Jesus this morning? Hey, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, my leaders are going to make their way forward. The band's going to sing. We're all going to respond. Jesus, come. God, speak to us in our dry places. God, let the destiny, the purpose, the reason, God, become very clear in us so that we would find you to be the God who meets us in the dry place with thunder, the thunder of hope, the thunder of redemption, the thunder of coming breakthrough, because there's no wasted seasons in you, Jesus. So I'm asking for faith and life and grace for my friends that are going through a tough time going through a dry place to encounter the God who doesn't send us there but leads us there and is with us while we're there giving us what we need so that the preparation that the season is for is fulfilled so that we can be all that you've called us to be. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being with us this morning, God. We just believe the best is yet to come.